It's a short week, but one that saw Travis Kelsey get out at practice. Can he go on Thursday night? And what is this offense going to look like today? Unlocked on Chiefs with Matt Derrick from ChiefsDigest.com. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked on Chiefs podcast. Back, everybody. It is Locked on Chiefs, part of Locked on Podcast Network, and that means your team every day for free everywhere, whether it's YouTube, where you can like, sub, and hit that bell right now, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on any audio platform that you can find, you can find us. So we appreciate you guys being here. We're brought to you today by Jace Medical. Uh, this episode and all of them, they empower you to purchase uh, a Jace case, which provides you five antibiotics that can help you treat over 50 infections and be there when you need it. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. That might help if you happen to get an infection, you get an injury, you got to deal with that. We're going to have to get to that point and where we're at this week. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics and Performance Consulting, NFL33.com, as well as RGR Football. And this is Matt Derrick from ChiefsDigest.com, our man on the beat, as well as at his channel, Chiefs Digest as well, all one word. We're going to get today about what do they have to guard against against the Broncos on Thursday Night Football, as well as Nick Bolton. But we got to start with number one story in Kansas City, Matt. Travis Kelsey is alive and there's proof and he can run. Is that right? Uh, yes, he can. Uh, Travis was out of practice today. This is the only practice the Chiefs will really have. And it's uh, it was a light one. I mean, there were no helmets, no pads, nothing like that. I mean, this is a definitely one of those rest and recuperate kind of weeks for a Thursday night that Andy Reid's doing with the team. They'll do a walkthrough on Wednesday, um, but that's it. Uh, but Travis was out there on Tuesday. Um, other than obviously a wrapped up ankle looked fine uh, talked to him for a little bit in the locker room and certainly seemed like his regular self uh, wasn't limping or anything of that nature. So I, I think you have to feel pretty good about his status right now. Man, compared to the broadcast the other night when that happened, it's quite a turnaround, isn't it? I was prepared for this to be a diminished offensive uh, game plan this week, but right now it feels like Given, like you said, a light week, we thought it might be that you probably had a game plan in plan in place before the last ball game, and you should be able to carry that through. It seems to me. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. Now they'll probably, you know, still have a alternate game plan or at least a, an alternate call sheet that they can go to that doesn't include Travis, if necessary. You know, on Sunday, you know, Patrick kind of mentioned that they juggled their personnel a little bit more. Um, which, you know, could include putting a receiver out there if they had some three tight end sets. You know, without Travis, they would probably just either steer away from some three tight end sets. It's a possibility they could, you know, bring up a Matt Bushman for the game just so that they've got the ability that if Travis is, you know, can't go or is knocked out for any reason, you know, or on a limited snap count, that they have options. There's a lot of things that they can do um, to kind of juggle it a little bit. But, I mean, hey, what will Travis be? Is he going to be 100%? No, he's not. Um, you know, just how much of himself will he be? That's a good question. I would, But I would imagine, based on what we saw today, I, I would think that he probably is going to be in a little bit less pain than he was on Sunday. The word that we've okay. been getting on this, at least, is that it's a, a low ankle sprain, you know, an inversion, um, different than, like, the high ankle sprain that Nick Bolton had. So, it's an easier maple injury to probably play through and a little bit easier turnaround and, and, and recovery. But obviously they've been doing treatment on him, you know, as far as pain management goes, I'm sure there's a, a plan in place there. 
Um, but you know, Hey, do you, do I expect Travis Kelsey hundred percent? No, but will we get a facsimile thereof of him and, and somebody who can give you substantial snaps? I, I think that you're going to definitely see that. That makes sense. And I think that that's okay. I mean, no great can run some routes for him. Uh, like you said, if they elevate Bushman, I think that's a plus as well. I'd like to see that happen just so that you can run your full offense, but say you have to back Travis off, which is certainly within the realm of possibility. That wide receiver group has been not really shifting much, but getting a little bit more consistent, it feels like to me. Who would you like to see receive more targets in lieu of Travis Kelsey, given that they uh, they have plenty of mouths to feed over there? Yeah, I mean, I think that the the one right now that I think is the obvious choice is to be getting, you know, Rasheed Rice more opportunities and more looks. And yes, you know, through the first, you know, four weeks of the season, he, I think inconsistent the right word to use. But you saw more consistency from him against the Vikings and his opportunities. We didn't see the drops that have been a problem for him. I think that's very encouraging. Um, he's probably the guy that is best positioned. I mean, Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Sky Moore have been getting lots of reps, so that's not been the problem with them. Justin Watson's been getting, I think, even a, a, let's say an appropriate amount of snaps for, for where he's at right now. I mean, if everybody were healthy, especially Kadarius Tony through the first month of the season, you know, a lot of those snaps would have been going to him. And yes, Tony is working in. But to me, I think the one guy that is the 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 potential game breaker who is the most versatile and and the, at least the best ready to handle a bigger workload that I kind of want to see more from, it's Rice. I, I like that plan. Two for two targets for Sky Moore last week. Uh, I think he has the ability to ramp that up. For some reason at this point, it just doesn't seem to be in the game plan to be feeding him as much as it is Rice. And that feels to me like maybe evening the, the balance about how many guys you can go to come November, come December. Are you concerned at this point, or would this be an opportunity to try to feed Sky a little bit more? I mean, to me, I don't. I don't know if you necessarily feel like that. You have to go into a game plan with for the Chiefs and say this is the week that we're just going to, you know, feed the ball to Sky more. I mean, based on what he's done to this point, I mean, the only reason I think you could really do that is if you're saying to yourself, we need a game to get this guy's confidence up and to and to spur him that way. I mean, otherwise, I mean, I don't know that Sky's really made a case for getting the ball more. Uh, you know, some of that is is certainly we talked about after the game on Sunday. It's play design. It's, you know, where is the ball designed to go? Most of the time it is right now it's not designed to go to Sky more. I mean, he's not the primary read on most plays and and maybe not even all of them. I mean, it could very well be. I mean, but he's got to carve out his opportunities. He's got to be meeting beating man coverage. He's got to be able to find the weak spots in the zone. It's really on him to be the one that's getting open. And it was probably a little bit telling that, you know, when the Chiefs were, you know, having a lot of play calls against the Vikings that were quick, quick, quick reads, quick drops, get rid of the ball quickly. He had two targets. I mean, but that to me was meaning that you know he was not getting favorable matchups, or at least it didn't look to Mahomes like that was the place where he needed to go with the ball. And until until Sky Moore can make that case, then I think, you know, you've got to you've got to look at some other guys and give them opportunities, too. I, I agree, and I think you have to make that case. And when that happens, we'll get a fresher look. We're going to talk about what that look might look at like against those Broncos. That's coming up later in the show. And we have to get to the defensive side of the ball. Where is Nick Bolton? Where is this defense going from here? Been a very, very good start. How do they improve upon that first? 
we're going to give you a case from a, a friend of ours. Uh, you might want to make some picks, and eBay is going to give you a hand. Our partners over at eBay Motors have teamed with our Vinny Iyer, the fantasy football podcast, to give you the best options for you every single week, all season long, whether you're prepping right now for this stretch in the middle of the season, you're working the waiver wire, everything you need to know about your fantasy team, you can get right here from Vinny. So let's see who he set out for our eBay's guaranteed fit, the fantasy drafts uh, picks of the week. I chose here because I really feel that this has been a difficult and maybe surprising uh, aspect of what this season has become, and that is Baker Mayfield. Uh, borderline QB1 in most leagues and enjoying uh, maybe the most efficient uh, season that he's had as a passer. Uh, in week five, he should have. Uh, you should need a high-volume passer right there, and the matchup with Jared Goff uh, is going to demand that. Bay Mayfield has been locked in on a variety of receivers the Lions can struggle to cover some of them. So Chris Godwin and tight end Kate Otten. The Bucks won't be able to run as much on Detroit. Detroit's defense is coming on. So leading uh, to pleasing passing stats for one Baker Mayfield that you should get in your lineup. Maybe go find them on the wire right now. And Vinny from Fantasy Football, <clears throat> Locked on Fantasy Football, is going to give you uh, this kind of information every single week for your championship in fantasy to get you there. And eBay Motors knows how to get to a championship as well. And they're going to help you with that perfect fit same thing for your vehicle every single time because they have 122 million parts for your number one ride or die and you can make your ride uh, make sure that it stays running smooth running clean looking good brake lights led lights uh bumpers roof racks the whole nine yards anything that you need to put with your ride you can give it to it it's ebay motors and they have it but they're guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your car truck ride every time first time or your money back Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. You're getting down the road, and you're looking good doing it. So check out and keep your ride or die running well and looking good at ebaymotors.com. Guaranteed fit is only available for U.S. customers, eligible items only, and exclusions do apply. <clears throat> they do apply. That's what they do. Uh, applying is what I'm trying to get this defense to, to apply for. So, some accolation, because I don't think they're getting enough recognition around the league. And so how can they put the stamp on that? Well, getting your leader back can certainly help. Uh, Nick Bolton, I, I haven't seen the report from practice yet. What is your feeling? We sometimes see Andy be overly cautious, uh, which I think is actually a good thing in this case. When you have a short week, knowing that there's a 10-day rest on the backside of it. Matt, at this point, do you expect to see Nick Bolton play against the Broncos? I think there's a pretty good chance. Um, you know, let's see how they they label him on Tuesday. Like I said, it's a very light practice. So, um, in this case, another limited would be a little bit of a concern to me. Um, but this, you know, there was some concern about going into the Vikings game that you know if you brought Nick back then, even though he wasn't quite a hundred percent, then you're asking him to make a, a, a quick turnaround on the Thursday night, um, and that was just going to be too much. But if you gave him a few more days of rest, let him then come back on a Thursday night and then get a 10 day break before your next game. That was a better, you know, kind of way to come back for, for Bolton. And we'll see. I mean, it hasn't really tipped a hand of the, of the Chiefs in any way about whether they plan on, on Bolton playing this week. I, I kind of expect him to play this week. We will see. Uh, but at the same time, they have the luxury. The Drew Tranquil has been playing well, has been taking care of business. So if they need to bring Bolton back and he is even on a limited basis, they want to give him a couple of drives off. You got to feel pretty good that Tranquil can, can man the ship just fine. 
Yeah, I think Tranquil's been playing very well. I'm just a little bit concerned about that. He came up <clears throat> post game with that knee injury. Now, in the, the simulated practice yesterday, he was listed as a full go. Well, when do you expect to have a feel for? Is he absolutely there? Is this playing a factor in Bolton coming back too? Is if there's a little bit of a, a concern about your tranquil? Yeah, there hasn't been doesn't has hasn't been a ton of concern. And like you said, I mean, it was the estimated report on Monday that said he would have been a full go. If if tranquil's a a full go on Tuesday, even though like we said, it is a pretty abbreviated practice as far as stress level goes. I think that'd be a pretty good indication. He did come back into the game on on Sunday after he injured the knee, so I don't have a ton of concerns. Really, the only real concern I would have with Tranquil would just be the accumulation because he's got the knee. He's also had a wrist injury that he's been dealing with as well, and and even though the the Chiefs dropped it off the injury report, it's probably still bothering him a little bit. Uh, hasn't that I have seen affected him on the field. So that's the good sign. But no, I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, the Chiefs would like to get Nick back as quickly as possible uh, just because he's a really good player. But two, it would take a, a little bit off of Tranquil and let him do some other things as well. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want to make this whole segment about injuries, but we have to be able to address them. And I thought that the, the pass rush was functional, but not really what we expected. And I think in part of that was due to the, the hamstring attached to one George Karloftis. Uh, I haven't seen anything negative about his recovery from that. I think he was also listed as would have been a full go. No, it was a light go on Monday. Uh, where do you stand with him and in, in what adjustments might they have to make if George is not 100%? Yeah, I, I mean, I think the one thing you would be looking for is just to give him a little bit more time off. And, you know, and how do you give him some snaps off? That's probably the tougher thing. I mean, you know, we saw Malik Herring second like been getting a little bit more work, but I mean, I, if I'm Steve Spagnuolo and Joe Cullen, I wouldn't be afraid to just move Chris Jones around a little bit more. Um, you know, you feel like you can trust Derek Naughty um, and, and Tershawn Wharton. I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Keandre Coburn, you know, unleashed. But I, I do think that there's a little bit of emphasis on saving him for the second half of the season. We'll just see when they feel like that they are comfortable with throwing Coburn out there a little bit more. Um, but I, I, that to me, I, I think that a big part of Karloftis through the first five weeks of the season, which I think he's played fine, you know, I think there's been expectations that maybe there would be more production there. Well, I think you're going to see that pop up when, you know, Charles Aminahue comes back, because when you're able to get Aminahue more of the work and you're able to back off those snap counts a little bit from Karloftis and Dana, you're going to let them go a little bit more full bore without having to conserve some energy. And that's where I think the Chiefs want to get to is that they've got a, a, a healthy rotation on the edge with some guys that they're they're comfortable running in and out of there and keeping them fresh. Well, and I'm glad that you bring up Coburn because I've kind of been itching for that too. And it does make sense that you want to save the rookie for later in the season, have a, a completely fresh pair of legs. They made a small transition this weekend and they let Neil Farrell get suited, uh, got six snaps. Uh, I don't know if, if that's a, it's enough to get a, a good read, but is it more likely that we see Coburn, especially if they want to move Chris to the outside some, or is it continue to feed Farrell for now and see what he can bring it? I mean, I, I would expect him to want to give Farrell a little bit more of a look because, yeah, that is just kind of a, a little taste that he's gotten so far. Um, and I really get the sense that with Coburn, I mean, I think there is a strong parallel with, you know, what they kind of learned with with Colin Saunders, with how that they're managing him. Because remember, they had like, Colin Saunders played a little bit more in the first half of his rookie season because of injuries than, than maybe they wanted him to. And as a result, I mean, he was probably not as effective in the second half of the season. Well, I think the Chiefs want, you know, Coburn to be ready 
when it gets to the later November, December, and January, uh, that's when they do, like you said, those fresh legs, they would like for him to be able to be playing his best football at that point. So I think they're pretty comfortable letting the first half of the season maybe be a bit of a redshirt period for Coburn. Um, and Farrell, I mean, is in football shape. I mean, he is a newcomer. He's picking up the defense, but he was in camp with the Raiders. So it's not a, it's not a physical fitness issue with him. It's just a matter of him getting up to speed on the defense and, and being ready to play. And, and we've seen so far this year that, you know, chemistry's played a big part in this defense's success. And so that's the one area that Farrell has got to knock against him is that he's just still picking things up and learning his teammates and where he needs to be on the field. Yeah, it, it helps to have a lay of the land here and get used to it. Um, the other guy that I'd like to see maybe get a, a, a nice bump up, um, Felix Andiko Ozama played about a third of the snaps last game. And I do think there's a lot of room there. He did actually uh, contact the quarterback. I like to see a hit rather than just a standard pressure. So I found that encouraging. Um, is there is there still guardrails on for Felix as, as a rookie as well, similar to Coburn, or is it time to unleash him a little bit? Yeah, I think you're going to see him getting unleashed a little bit more. You know, at this point, a lot of what they have been kind of saving him for have been pure pass rushing situations and a lot of the the third down scenarios. Um, he's been in part of that package. I think you're going to see him get a, a little bit more involved in the rotation. And again, I mean, that's another piece to the puzzle as far as keeping these guys fresh. And remember, we, you know, with a Minahue, even when he was a starter in San Francisco, he really never played much more than 50% of the snaps. So that's still a guy that I think that ideally, if you want your edge rushers fresh, I mean, you want their snaps to be a little bit lower. And, you know, we've had, we've seen Karloftis, you know, getting upwards and, you know, 70 to 80% of the snaps. I feel like that's too much of a workload. It is a kind of a recipe for an injury. And especially with him dealing with the hamstring issue now, I mean, I, I think it's worth his while to back him off a little bit. And if you can find ways to get those guys involved, absolutely. I think that's that's really intriguing, and I, I think the same can be said for uh, both Trey McDuffie and Legarius Need played all the snaps last week, save one. Um, how they go about that? Those are two guys. You, it's tough to get off the field, especially uh, this week against maybe an underrated Broncos receiving group. We're going to talk about how you don't look past the Denver problems here coming up next, but in a bit. I uh, got to tell you about the Jace case because you guys want to check it out. Everyone should be empowered to take care of themselves and their loved ones during whatever comes that is unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency uses and gives you the peace of mind so that you're not just hoping to get the care that you need and have access to the medication in an emergency, but you actually have it. Comes in a squared off case, portable that you can keep together in case of those emergencies, and it makes sure that you have the medication on hand that you need. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to hooking you up with a licensed pharmacy uh, for medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. So don't get caught unprepared. Get $20 off right now of these life-saving antibiotics in one convenient case from Jace Medical by using our code LOCKEDON at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com for the Jace case. Now, Matt, when the season began, there was a case to be made that uh, the Broncos maybe needed some life support and some medical attention. Uh, they seem to have turned things around, at least in partiality. Um, don't ask the Jets. But this is, uh, no matter what the outcomes are, it just feels like the ability um, to be a trap game. I don't feel like the Broncos have put up enough fight in the last few years to have the same kind of demand for attention and, and let's be honest, respect 
that the Chargers have. The Chargers always play the Chiefs tough. The Broncos don't always follow through with that. So in the building today around the, the facility, like how do you keep an edge against in a short week against a, an opponent that you feel you should be able to handle pretty easily? Yeah, even though there was a, a lot of questions from the media about you know the Broncos and the win streak, um, that was you know certainly not what the players were talking about. I mean, you know, and, and you could tell Andy Reid was not comfortable with questions about the winning streak. He doesn't want to talk to the team about it. Um, they want to move on, you know, and, and get past that. And so they don't want the distraction of talking about the you know the fifteen game winning streak. Um, and there are things, at least, you know, that this Broncos team has done to get this team's attention. You know, Andy Reid's telling them that outside that Dolphins game that, the, you know, the Broncos have played some pretty close contests. And close contests are for real. And that gives you a little bit of uh, an idea, just what you have to have to bring respect. And it's not a, a wonder that that Andy needs to do that. Uh, we temporarily lost Matt here for a minute. So uh, I'll just follow through on some of his concepts because when it comes to Andy Reid, what he wants to get done, it is about being thorough, being prepared. And unfortunately, talking about the streak in particular is something that gives you a lot of trouble because it just sets the bar lower. And I think it, it takes some of the edge off of your defenders in particular, especially whether it's somebody uh, that, that you're looking for to contribute quite a bit. And it looks like we're going to get Matt back. So I'll let him finish his own thought rather than me just expanding on it. <laughs> I don't know how far I disappeared there, Ryan. I, I, I had a pretty good, pretty good rant there. You did. You were, you were on a roll about it. Andy's not letting anything slide. We're not going to talk about it. So what do they talk about? Well, I mean, the Broncos still have things that get their attention. Russell Wilson still gets respect of that defense and gets them attention. Patrick Sertan gets attention from that uh, that offense. So there are things, and, and the close games that the Broncos have played are getting their attention. So this team, I think, is focused on the right things, but it's Thursday night. And that's the uh, to me, that's the bigger you know warning than the Broncos themselves and having a letdown against a team that's struggling. It's more about don't let weird things uh, happen on a Thursday night because these Thursday night games are trap games in and of themselves. I, I agree with you. Now, again, folks, there's always the disclaimer when I talk about PFF is that you take a large uh, block of salt with their grades. But if you go do look up their grades – Two of the strongest performances last week for the Broncos defense was right down the middle at nose tackle and at middle linebacker. When it comes to the short area and the goal line specific plays that we've seen be a little bit more effective this year, enough that I'm excited about it, and I think Isaiah Pacheco should be as well. But when you take a step back, we go back to our first segment. And, folks, make sure that you like, sub, hit the bell. And if you missed our first segment, go back and watch it as we are live today. Uh it comes down to Travis Kelsey, and if he's 100% what he can do, he has been a puller on some of those power short yardage goal line plays that I think is the direction that the team wants to go when they're in that situation. I don't think that you can put him back in, in that same role. You correct me if I'm wrong, but if not, what do they go to in the goal line type packages? Yeah, that's, that's that's a good question. And, you know, and to me, one of the things that I've been surprised about, at least through the first month, was um, not using Justin Ross in some of those positions. Um, you know, we did see him in a spot, um, you know, where they did throw the ball down the down the sideline on the on the, on the just, a, you know, a go up and get the ball with Ross. And because I, I think that, you know, he's got that same kind of body frame and athleticism and styling of, of like Jody Fortson that was really effective in, in the red zone for the Chiefs. 
So I'm kind of surprised that we haven't seen him more in some red zone opportunities. I mean, he had one of those catches in the preseason. So I I think that's definitely a club in his bag. And and if Justin Ross is only going to get a couple of packages a week, I think goal line situations would be a good one for him. I I like that concept because you're looking for yak and and moving the chains during between the 20s. But then you're just looking for advantages. You're looking for edges. and, And I think that makes a lot of sense. I like the concept because I do feel that the run game should be important again this week. I was happy to see that the the play call still gave, what was it, 16 carries to Isaiah last week. Um, obviously not as much as it was prior, but still a good third of the offense was based on the run game. And I think that has to continue, especially if, if we know Andy Reid. He's not looking to put up a 40-point margin here, right? We know he's going to pull off the gas a little bit, and I think that leans towards the run game. I just don't want it to catch up with him. What do you think are the pitfalls that Andy himself has to avoid this week? Yeah, I mean, I I think one of them is probably that you get into a game where the play calling gets away from you. Um, And and that's specifically with the run game in that, you know, if you when the Chiefs get into some RPO heavy concepts and now all of a sudden a lot of runs become passes because that's Patrick's default position. That's where I feel like that they can get lopsided sometimes. And yeah, the Broncos are probably a team that, you know, you could run some RPO concepts and take advantage of them because they are struggling defensively. And the the more things you can do to, to complicate them and confuse them, I think the better. But this is probably also a, to a degree, a, a meat and potatoes kind of game. Take advantage of your speed. Use that against the Broncos. That's one thing that we know that they have had trouble keeping up with. And this team should be able to outrun them. So to me, it's utilize that, pound away with the ground game, um, do what you can. But this is this is a should be a get well game for the offense. Give those guys a chance to shine. Get them get them a chance to run out in space because if you're not putting up a bunch of points against the Broncos, I'm going to have some questions. Well, that's a fair point, and that links us to uh, to the bottom line. Uh, you're not as far out in the future as you usually are on Wednesdays when I ask you. How do you feel that this game goes? I hate, you know, making big, wide projections on Thursday nights because it seems like these games always end up close, even when they shouldn't. But I, I can't. I mean, I can't find a way to keep the Broncos in this game. I mean, it's you know on the road on a Thursday night in the division against a team that's a whole lot better than they are. Um, the Broncos have a lot of disarray going on right now, especially on the defensive side. They can occasionally find things going well on the offensive side, but at the same time, Sean Payton is not happy with his quarterback and his offense right now. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, if, and maybe this is some secret Sean Payton voodoo Jedi magic challenging his team to get a performance out of them. But I just feel like that, you know, I think the Broncos have a much better chance against the Chiefs in Denver than they do on a short night and a short week in thir- on Thursday night in Kansas City. The, the Chiefs defense, if they play as well as they have been for the first month of the season, they should be able to slow down the Broncos. And whereas I don't think the Broncos can do anything to slow down the Chiefs. I hate it, but I'm going with the Chiefs big, 31-13. And that's a good one. You're going to hear my prediction coming up. We have two special shows for you. Our preview as well as our crossover to get the inside intel on the Broncos. Those are both coming up before kickoff. And we will be back post-game with Matt. Matt, thanks for your time. We appreciate you being here with us. (laughs) Always a pleasure. Sorry to disappear on you there, Ryan. 
Hey, you know, sometimes I drive people off. It happens. That's the wife. You all have a great day. We'll be back with you shortly and get ready for that Bronco game. Take care. Thanks for listening to us today. We'll be back with you tomorrow.